What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. You like the Just Baseball show and want to make your own? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never seen before. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It's Friday, it's May 7th, and we've got a conversation with the New York Post's Ken Davidoff coming up soon. It's it's pretty much all about the Yankees. There's a tiny bit of Mets stuff, but Pete, um, connection issues absolutely screwed me. So you know what? That was like divine intervention, and that gave you the chance to just geek on your Yanks with a guy that covers them. And um, it was an honest assessment of the Yankees, which I personally, listen, listening to it, Really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. And Ken was such a great guest. Um, I know, <clears throat> sorry, Ken was such a great guest. I hope we have him on again. He just, he obviously knows the Yankees like the back of his hand. And I, I it, you're right. It was, it was a lot. It was a big opportunity for me to kind of release a lot of the questions that I've been, I watch the Yankees every single day and to just voice my opinions about Aaron Hicks, about Jason Dominguez, about a lot of the guys I've been hearing about. I asked him a trade deadline question at the end of the interview. And he was like, it's so early, dude. And I was like, I'm trying to improve this team every single day. So I think the emotion came out. uh, But then again, it was a great interview. And uh, it was fun to ask all my Yankee questions that I've been hiding away. Before we jump into it, there are three players in Major League history with at least 3,200 hits and at least 600 home runs. Hank Aaron, Willie Mays. And the guy that just got DFA'd by the LA Angels today, Albert Pujols. Uh, it's it's tough, man. And this is a guy that is absolutely a first ballot Hall of Famer. And it just stinks. And Will Carroll, who is a fantastic follow on Twitter, at Injury Expert. Mm-hmm. You'll get the lowdown on pretty much every injury in sports, but he loves baseball. He he put it very simply. Pujols was likely robbed of 700 home runs by COVID. Wow. At this point of being DFA'd, he is 33 home runs shy 
of 700 on his career. And by no means should he be kicking himself whatsoever for that, because this guy is literally one of the best to ever do it. I mean, he's probably one of the two, three best hitters we've ever seen kind of in our young lives as, as 23 year olds. Who else? It was almost Griffey and A-Rod probably. I mean, yeah. I mean, Trout's going to be in that conversation. It's it's yeah. sad. It's sad because Albert Pujols has been the greatest right-handed hitter. And to see him, I hope this isn't the end for Albert Pujols. And what's crazy about it, it's in the last year of his 10-year, $240 million contract. I don't understand the reasoning. Yes, he's hitting 198. I get it. But He's actually, his, his, his zone contact, even the deeper stats, his zone contact rate is pretty good. His contact rate is pretty good. He's barreling up balls. I get it. He's hitting 198. I just didn't really get it, and it made me just kind of sad. It made me a little sad, Jack. And and we have this awesome interview today, and and then we hear in the morning that Albert Pujols is, is gone. Not gone, <laughs> but it seems like that, and it's just sad. There's not much space for the bat and lack of production that he's supplying right now with Shohei Otani being the primary designated hitter and then Jared Walsh being at first base. But yeah, 198, here's some notable Cubs batting averages. <laughs> David Bowie is hitting 176. Jock Peterson just off the IL in 18 games is hitting 143. Ian Happ in 26 games is hitting 167. And Jason Hayward in 29 games is hitting 188. So there is a team out there that will absolutely add their name to the list of teams that Albert Pujols has played on. And what's so cool about that is he just has not been a nomad. 11 years with St. Louis, 10 with Anaheim. He's going in as a Cardinal. I saw the war difference between his Cardinals playing days and his Angels playing days, and it's, it's staggering. Like his war with the Cardinals is over 30, and his war Jeez. with the Angels is like five. So. Yeah. There is that, but, I mean, this guy is, is amazing. And before we get to Ken, just a quick note on John Means. We called him an ace in early. We called ace. him a developing ace, Jack. And, and the, crazy, the crazy thing about the John Means no-hitter is that it should have been a perfect game. It was the first time in MLB history that a pitcher was actually prevented from getting a perfect game versus a no-hitter because of a wild pitch. And that wild pitch that happened, you could honestly call it a pass ball. It wasn't that hard of a block by the catcher for the Orioles. And besides that, he looked absolutely phenomenal. I mean, he, I think he had 12 strikeouts in the game. Obviously, no hits, no walks. The change-up, I feel like you can't see it out of the hand. It has very similar spin to the fastball, it looks like. It looks like he has an unhittable changeup. His fastball is at 95, and he just commands both sides of the plate so effectively. This is a guy in John Means that we both agree, developing ace. 27 up, 27 down. He faced the minimum in a no-hitter. Faced the minimum. No walks. Uh, facing the minimum in a no-hitter is a step above. I, Mark Burley did it, and uh, Mark Burley is my favorite athlete of all time. So, John Means and Mark Burley, you are the same person in my opinion. <laughs> so, without further ado, here's Ken Davidoff. Ken Davidoff is a baseball columnist for the New York Post. He uh, is a New Yorker, so he's covering 
uh, predominantly the Yankees and Mets. And I know that Pete is super excited to talk a whole bunch of Yankees uh, with Ken Davidoff. Ken, thank you so much for uh, taking the time today. This is going to be a blast. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Nice to meet you. I'm so excited to start breaking into some Yankees questions with you, Ken. Um, And just to start it off, the Yankees are a league best. I'm so excited. The Yankees are a league best 11 and four in their last 15 games with Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge really heating up. And I also read that according to the director of player health and performance, Eric Crassy, this offseason, the workout plans have changed a lot for the two sluggers, especially drastically changing from a lot less lifting to a lot more yoga. Are, you, are we seeing those kind of results now, or is this, am I looking too far in and this is just kind of a hot period for the team right now? Well, look, Peter, uh, keep in mind that I'm trying to think. So in 2019, by this time, both Stan and Judge already had gotten injured. And 2020, definitely Stan and I think Judge uh, yeah. already had been injured by this juncture. So I think that speaks for something. I don't think it speaks for everything. I, you know, Eric Cressy, uh, had, I, you know, so far so good in 2021, you know, he, he took over with a lot of fanfare in the winter of 2019, 20. And then obviously the pandemic hit and then they still got pretty hammered last year. So there was a lot of poo-pooing, uh, including by myself, about all right, how good is this guy? Uh, but you know, again, uh, a month plus into the season, they are uh, notably healthy, really. As somebody that's not a native New Yorker, um, you know, I'm used to the term poo-pooing about Yankees and Mets fan bases, right? I'm used to the New York idea of if it's not golden, then it's so far in the basement. What's the temperature around New York with both of its baseball teams right now? Well, that's a fascinating question, Jack. We could really talk all half hour just about that. Uh, but I... My opinion is that yeah. Yankees fans are very spoiled. You know, I mean, let's put any Yankees fan over the age of 20. Because uh, <laughs> uh, anyone who, who can remember uh, the 96, the 2000 dynasty, so let's say over 25, uh, you know, that's that's enough for a lifetime for most fans. <laughs> you know, it's four championships in five years. I mean, most fans of their teams would settle for four championships in 100 years. So uh, I, I think I laugh when, uh, you know, you talk about the Yankee, oh, Brian Cashman is terrible. You know, I mean, they've had a winning season every year since 1993. They've made the playoffs every year since 2017. Uh, they just haven't made or won the World Series since 2009. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of criticism. Not yet. I know they have the highest payroll, obviously, but I think we've seen in October. It's all about small samples. Uh, I mean, you talk about the Mets. I mean, those poor people. I mean, those fans, you know, they're just, they've been through emotional turmoil so much for the last 30 plus years. You know, no championship since 1986, only two in 59 years of existence. Uh, So, and they, you know, they really hope that Steve Cohen purchasing the team would change things. I think it, it will in the big picture, but it does take time. And I do think his big first purchase. Uh, Francisco Lindor was a questionable one and uh, has been a really been a, a disaster offensively so far. And so as one of those spoiled 23 year old Yankee fans, <laughs> I always, I always got to find little, little areas of the team to get better. And I see a glaring weakness in the catcher position at the moment, Gary versus Kyle Higashioka. 
Gary on one side is currently hitting 175. He's not providing much defensive value at the plate. And he also hit two home runs earlier in the season and hasn't hit one since. Kyle Higashioka on the other side has double the amount of home runs in about as half as many at-bats, a much better defender, and seems to have a better grip on the rotation. Can you talk to what you've seen from the catcher position so far for the Yankees and kind of how you expect them to, I guess, maneuver this going forward? Well, Peter, I think you, you pretty much nailed it. I mean, it was, it was easily their most controversial decision of the winter yeah. to stick with Gary Sanchez. You know, they, he did not have a contract for 2021. They could have traded him. They could have just let him go, non-tendered him, and wished him well. Uh, they stuck with him because of his ceiling, and I, I still believe that ceiling is there. Even, you know, you talk about those first few games and you saw the power. Yeah. Uh, but it just hasn't worked out. It has not worked out. Month plus in the season, as you said, offensive liability. Defense, I think, has been better, uh, but, you know, certainly not a standout. And then you talk about Kyle Higashioka, who appears most, if not all, the pitchers prefer throwing to, has some pop in his bat. So it's pretty clear that now Higashioka is the number one catcher, and it will just become a matter of, you know, should Gary Sanchez be even the number two catcher, or they would be better off calling up uh, uh, Robinson Chirinos is getting back into shape. He had a serious injury in spring training, uh, a fractured wrist, I think. So let's yeah. say if he's ready in another month, what if even make more sense to just call him up, you know, a reliable guy who pitchers like throwing to, who has a little pop in his bat. Yeah, we have Anthony Siegler, who I guess can catch with both hands, but I'm wondering if he's ever going to hit the ball. Or I guess we're just <laughs> waiting on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they have drafted a lot of guys, a lot of catchers in recent years. Siegler and Austin Wells and uh, Josh, with, uh, there's another catcher there, high, high draft, Josh Bro, right? B-R-E. Yeah, Josh Bro. I think he, uh, uh, at a high school, right? I think, yeah, I think- or a high school catcher. Yeah, so they've been drafting a lot of catchers, so we'll see if they can hit any of those guys. Higashioka has a lot of service time left, but he's he's getting old. He's thirty one, I think. So he's he's uh, no uh, no spring chicken. Yeah, no spring chicken at all. In in another, I guess, poo poo question, another spoiled Yankee fan question that I just I got to pick your brain about because we talked about it on a previous episode. This is the Yankees' super prospect, Jason Dominguez. Okay. Uh, what are your thoughts? I know he he's in rookie ball. He hasn't even played a real major league game yet, but people are casting him as the Mike Trout, the Mickey Mantle. Um, I'm curious to see your opinion on it because you watch the guy, you've seen him. Is he Mickey Mantle or are, are Yankee fans going a little bit too far with that? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I am a, I'm a grouch on Jason. I, I can't stand the hype. Uh, it's I think it's ridiculous. Uh, you know, this is a guy, as you said, never played in even a minor league game yet. Uh, and, and I understand he set a record for signing bonus uh, for a Dominican player. I think it was $5 million. Mm. I get that. But, you know, I think we have to take a step back and realize $5 million for the Yankees is not that much money. You know, they spent $11 million on Corey Kluber, who has, you know, had a good last start, but, you know, would easily just collapse tomorrow. Uh, and that'll be it. And the Yankees would shrug that off. So uh, I, I understand the hype, but like I, I just love to let him have like a, as you said, play in a minor league game, have a full minor league season. Then I'll be happy to assess him. But you know, just base base this hype on workouts, I think, is insane. Yeah, I mean, he looks like an athletic freak out there. But the fact that everyone in the world is calling him the next 
great hope is a little bit too much right before he started a game. The reason I ask is I just hear it all the time. And I got to ask the expert um, about Jason Dominguez because it's like not, not a lot of people know yet. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I appreciate you calling me an expert. That's up for, up for debate, but I hear, I will, I've been doing this a long time. I'll just offer this opinion. Like I I think it's absolutely freaking worthless to assess a kid who hasn't played in a game yet. And as you can tell, uh, you've you've hit a, a nerve for me here. It just it really annoys me as a journalist uh, when people get this hyped up about a kid uh, who has done absolutely nothing and whose you know financial commitment uh, at the end of the day is not that significant. They did they did it is they gave pretty much every single dollar of their international pool right. to the kid at like fifteen years old. Right, but if you know. When you were a kid, if you're, what was your allowance? Did you have an allowance? I think my, I'm older than you guys, much older. Yeah. Uh, you know, a $5.2 million dollar allowance. Yeah. I think I had a $5 allowance, you know? Yeah. So yeah, if I spent it all on, uh, you know, uh, on, a, on a presence for a girl, I liked the third grade. Like, yeah, that's <laughs> pretty amazing on one level, but on another level, it's only $5, even in 1982. That's a good point. So after a meniscus tear, a player who I'm very excited to return soon. He just hit a home run yesterday. Luke Voigt should be making his return in the next week or so. And Luis Severino is slated to return from Tommy John surgery sometime in what, over the summer? So as the Yankees start to heat up and they get their big stars back, are you expecting the Yankees to go on a big run once these guys come back? Or should we maybe temper expectations, at least with Luis Severino coming back from arm surgery? Yeah, I... Oh, yeah, I think you should temper your expectation on Severino. Some guys simply aren't the same ever after Tommy John. Some guys need another year uh, to get right. Uh, but, look, in general, I think they're a very, very talented team. And I think we've seen that in these last few weeks after that horrendous start. Yeah. You know, really brought it to the Astros, who are a very talented team as well, uh, these last couple of days. So, yeah, I think the Yankees are going to win the American League East, and I think – Luke Voigt will help. I, I think he's not only a, a big source of power in the lineup, but also a big force in the clubhouse. Uh, and, uh, you know, Severino, we'll see. Uh, that would certainly uh, be a, a nice uh, boost for them if, if he could uh, revert to, let's say, his 2017 uh, numbers or early 2018 numbers. And do you put any merit? So we've talked on a lot of previous episodes about how dominant um, – how right-handed dominant the lineup is and that I don't project it as a formula for winning, at least in the playoffs, when you're so one-sided, you're, you're built on the home run ball. Do you think that the Yankees can finagle their way to a world series championship using this formula? Or do you think that maybe we got to blow this thing up a little bit? We got to get some lefties in the lineup. We have to figure out a way to play different styles of baseball rather than the same style and hoping it works every single game. So I'm going to argue that it's not a zero sum game, Pete. I'm going to say that, uh, you know, yeah, I, I share your, your questions about the way they've built this team. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, there's no doubt. Yes, of course they can win the world series. Right. I mean, they, they came close in 2019, uh, you know, and I, I, yeah, I think ideally uh, they would have more balance, more, more lefty forces, but uh, last year in the 60-game season, in the regular season at least, uh, no team's lefty hitters hit righty pitching as well as the Yankees' righty hitters. Yeah. Uh, 
So, you know, these are pretty good righty hitters. So, yeah, the basic answer to the question is yeah, this for sure can work. Is it the best avenue to work? I think it's it's fair to question that. And one of the the only lefties in the lineup right now, Aaron Hicks, is hitting like a buck sixty-five. Um, he's playing decent defense out there, but I wouldn't call him a gold glover at this point. We have a good lefty prospect also in the minors with Estevan Florial. How do you see the center field position working out? Do you still think they just keep rolling Hicks out there and hopefully he kind of gets hot? I know it's May. I know it's early, but Yankee fans have just seen this from Hicks for a while now. I would argue you have, you mean for a while, meaning this season or, or beyond this season? I mean, I've just been watching the Yankees obviously every single day. And at least with me, it just feels like Hicks doesn't provide enough value at the plate to become like this, this really important player on our roster when we have younger players in the pipeline. Right. You didn't answer my question though. For a while, what is the wild you're referring to? I would say in 2020, I would say in 2019, I would kind of say his whole career with the Yankees hasn't been that great of an offensive. uh, He hasn't had that much offensive production. Okay, I would push back a little. This year, he's been absolutely dreadful. There's no yeah. doubt about that. I think yeah, in 2019, he had the, I think, first the back injury, and then he had the Tommy John surgery. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if you look at his his history with the Yankees, like last year, uh, I mean, I know his batting average was low, but I, you're a young man. I hope you don't prioritize batting average. I hope you know that on base, <laughs> just far more valuable. Yeah, of course. Yeah, last year, he had a 379 on base percentage, which is really good. Yeah. Uh, and then in 2019, it was 325. So not as good. Uh, but you actually slugged a little more in 2019 and his limited bats. And then you go back to 2018, 366 on base, 467 slugging. So I would argue his history here is is sufficient, you know, especially for the salary he's making, which really is not that high. That's true. For the, the salary, base. it's 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 good. Now, You're this right year has been an absolute disaster. I certainly yeah. would, would not dispute that. How long do you stick with him? I know he had a big hit last night. He did, right. yeah. Great hit. Um, so, uh, you know, and it, I was very surprised that they traded Mike Talkman, uh, partly because of these concerns about Higgs and because Brett Gardner uh, has not lit it up so far himself. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I guess the answer is they clearly they want to try to make Hicks work. But Floreal, as, as you said, is is sitting down there. Floreal has a, you know, a rich history of injuries. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, certainly we we could get to a point sooner than later where yeah, you'd have to consider that switch. And another another part of your job that I, I've always been so interested in because hopefully I can become a Hall of Fame voter like you one day. Um, but I, and I have so many questions surrounding that, especially with the steroid era, because I go so back and forth on the biggest names, the Barry Bonds the Roger Clemens of the world. Should they make it, and others shouldn't? Should the entire group? be considered if you hit those 500 home run marks, those 3000 hit marks, or should none of them be involved? I'm interested in your take kind of on the steroid era and the hall of fame voting in general. Yeah. So I've been a hall of fame voter since 2007 and I have changed my thinking over the years on illegal performance enhancing drugs. Uh, I have come around to the idea that at the end of the day, this is a museum. It's a building in Cooperstown, New York. Uh, You have to pay admission to get in there. They have restrooms. They have water fountains. It's a museum. It's not heaven. And the whole uh, character integrity clause, I think, is a bunch of hooey. 
It was mm. never uh, acknowledged really in voting prior to the steroid era. And I think to walk into that, that room, the hall of plaques, that's the sacred room. That's the creme de la creme. That's where the honorees are. And to walk into that hall of plaques and to see people who have damaged the game far worse, far worse than people who use steroids. And then to keep the steroids people out, it's what uh, the great John Stewart calls selective outrage. And I'm uh, violently opposed to that. And I do vote for Bonds and Clemens and, and every year. And I do not consider uh, their, their steroid usage a legend. And, and I guess on the other side of the coin, not, not necessarily a steroid user, but a gambler in his own right, Pete Rose. I mean, the, the craziest thing that I've felt about Pete Rose is that he's never be, even been allowed on the ballot rather than even being able to get voted on to the Hall of Fame. What, what is your take on the Pete Rose thing? Are you, are you Pete Rose shouldn't be on the ballot at all or should be? Give me your take. Yeah, I think he very well, he should have been on the ballot uh, back in 1991, I believe. Uh, that's when he, that's when Hall of Fame invented this rule uh, on the fly to keep him off the ballot. Really an embarrassment. Yeah. Uh, really disgraceful. And yes, he should have been on the, on the ballot. At the time, I would not have voted for him. I think what he did to the game is, again, far more damaging than the steroid guys. However, when the Hall of Fame quickly put in Bud Selig as, uh, in the Hall of Fame, quick, uh, very shortly after he retired as commissioner, uh, Bud Selig was very involved, eyeballs deep in the uh, collusion scandal of the 1980s, which, uh, Pete, you are most certainly too young to remember. Jack, A little bit too young. <laughs> Young-looking gentleman, Jack, I'm not sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, horrible, horrible, horrible. So once they could not wait to get Bud Selig in there, then I said, all right, well, what am I keeping Pete Rose out for then? And I, now I do think that Pete should get in there too. If you had to make a prediction, do you think Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens ever make it to the hall? Guys like A-Rod. Um, I, I, I'm kind of in the boat now that Pete Rose may never make it in, um, but I think the steroid guys do have a chance. Do you think that they get in? No, I don't. I mean, uh, Bonds and Clemens have only one year left on the writer's yeah. ballot. They have trended very, very slowly upward. I don't think quickly enough. They have to reach 75%. I think they're both in the low to mid 60s. Yeah, Barry um, Bonds. Yeah, yeah Barry Bonds has, has grown his percentage, but Roger Clemens over the past couple of years has kind of has been in a stalemate. Um, no, they've pretty much gone in tandem. I mean, it's pretty much. You think? Okay. Yeah. Uh, they're very clear. You know, there's very few voters who vote for one and not the other. True. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't think they're going to get in. And then once they go to what they call the era committees, which are committees made of Hall of Famers uh, and, and as well as executives and then a few media members, then I think they have no shot. You know, because yeah. I, I think those those voters are very picky and selective and judgmental. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think I don't see Bonds or Clemens making it. It's kind of sad because I'm, I'm in the boat where I probably would vote in Bonds or Clemens. Um, but I don't know if I would touch maybe some of the other steroid users. But I just feel I've always felt that those two, maybe even without steroids, would have been Hall of Famers. So before we let you go, we got to ask you one more question about some Yankee deadline moves. Um, because I think, like I said, we said before, this team really needs to add a lefty. I think they need another starting pitcher. Are there any guys that you see the Yankees looking at or any specific needs that they need to address? 
I mean, Pete, it's awfully early. <laughs> I know. I know it's, it's early. I know it's early. Feet. I mean, the, the deadline is July 31st. I know. I know. Yeah. I, I certainly don't think – I look, we talked three weeks ago. I think we would have said starting pitching was an obvious need, right? Yeah. Uh, but I do think uh, – I think they've all picked it up. You know, Kluber and Tyon and Herman and Montgomery, they've all pitched better uh, as of late. And, yeah, they could use some lefty balance. Uh, Odor was sort of giving that to them. I mean, he, he was funny. His numbers are terrible, but he really has had a number of big hits. Yeah, no. But, of course, now on the injured list, uh, yeah, they certainly could use a little more lefty balance. But, I mean, yeah, look, I hate to break it to Pete. It's just too darn early. Yeah, we could talk about Max Scherzer. Uh, last year of his contract, the Nationals don't look like they're going to be very good. But two days ago, the Nationals were in first place. Uh, yeah, I think the obvious guy is Trevor Story. You know, the Rockies are officially terrible and rebuilding, and he's going to be a free agent. Uh, so, you know, would it make sense to get him? It would cost a lot. Uh, and Gleyber Torres, to his credit, has looked a lot better defensively lately. Yeah, uh, and over the past couple of days, definitely. Yeah, um, because at the, at the beginning of the season, he looked a little bit lost, but I feel like he's kind of really picked it up lately. Um, he's playing much better defense, and I think the bat is starting to kind of come through. And Glaber is one of my favorite players on the team. I think the the with DJ LeMahieu kind of taking him under his wing a little bit, I'm really excited to see what Glaber. I'm not ready to give up on Glaber. The reason I asked about Hicks is just I have a personal love-hate relationship with Hicks. And I've seen Hicks strike out in big moments, but I've also seen Hicks get some big hits. I'm also very excited about Esteban Florial. But thank you, Ken. I could probably talk to you for four days about all these Yankee questions. Um, so we just thank you so much for coming on and we hope to have you on closer to the deadline. So maybe we can, uh, maybe I'm too early, but I'm always just trying to improve the team. <laughs> too early. But thanks Pete. Thanks for your time. And Jack, you as well. Yeah, man, you really did have that chance to air out your thoughts with Ken. I really did. You know, <laughs> sometimes as New York media does, he kind of shut you down um, on a couple <laughs> of those. But uh, he was he was just so straightforward. And that's what you love about the East Coast media and the New York media. And Ken is is totally one of those. And it's good because I kind of felt like he put me in my place in, in a way. And just because, you know, you know I, I always feel, think he needed to be. But I think he kind of did it effectively because I'm always in the school of thought that when I'm, I mean, I, like I said, big Yankee fan, but I'm covering MLB as a whole. And so I obviously watch the games every day and these grievances that come out, I had to air them out to the guy who works for the New York Post and covers the Yankees. And I feel like some of my concerns maybe about Aaron Hicks and then my, my comparison to Mickey Mantle's uh, for Jason Dominguez, but I really wanted to touch upon the Aaron Hicks thing because Ken kind of called me out. He said that Aaron Hicks has actually been like kind of a better hitter than maybe we might think. And I, I get where he's coming from, but where, where I'm watching it from, I see a guy hitting 177 with a 273 on base this year. Um, he's striking out at 23.6% of his at bats and his walk rate is the lowest of his career. I got a little concerned. Yes. He said that batting average doesn't matter that much. And Aaron Hicks, his value comes a lot from his on-base percentage. I get it. 379 in 29, or 2020. Yeah, really good on-base percentage. But like we said the year before, he had a 325 on-base percentage. And from 2019 to 2021, I get it, COVID-shortened season, but that's a lot of games. And it's a lot of games where Aaron Hicks has not been the greatest hitter 
that we expect. And as a Yankee fan, you want all stars around the diamond. And I think that's where I was coming with Aaron Hicks, that I just believe that he could be more, but he just hasn't been the best hitter. And it's just, it's there in the facts. Yes, his like I said, value comes from on-base percentage, but it's just not a lot else. He has 27 home runs in 2018. Besides that, never hit above 15 home runs. I mean, 2019, he hit 12. And, you know, I just, I want more out of Aaron Hicks. He's so talented, but I just want more. To tie a damn bow on this episode, Albert Pujols, batting average, 21 points better than Aaron. Higher than Aaron Hicks. That's what I'm saying. And, and with the Jason Dominguez part, this is the most hype prospect the Yankees have had in a decade. I remember how big Phil Hughes was, Jesus Montero, even Gary Sanchez. But this is a guy that I think Yankee fans are all rallying around. So I wanted to see what he thought and the fact that he was kind of like, you know what, cut the bullshit for a bit on Jason Dominguez. I was kind of like, you know what? You might be a little bit right. He hasn't played a game above a ball. Maybe we should damper expectations slightly. I did appreciate him mentioning the catchers, uh, Anthony yeah. Spiegler and, and a couple of these other guys coming through the system. That'll be great. But good conversation with Ken. Happy weekending, everybody. Enjoy your ball. He's Peter. I'm Jack. Project the Plate Podcast. Subscribe. Just do it. See Give ya. us a five-star review. It helps us so much. You know, just five-star review, a couple clicks, maybe a nice sentence. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. That's it. Adios. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.